Okay, we're live and it's episode 69 of the Adrian Bow podcast and I'm delighted to have a good mate of mine on this week's episode, uh, Mr. David Highland from Highland Property Group and uh, mate, it's really good to have you buddy, so I really appreciate you joining us. No, thanks for having me Adrian. Yeah, mate, it's uh, it's an interesting journey that, that, that you've been on with your business. I mean, you, you launched it in 2007. Uh, prior to that, you, you, were, you were in the east, I recall, because um, you, you're working close by in, in my area in that Coogee Ramwick pocket, mm. which I recall. And uh, I still remember when you when you launched your business, um, I, I think I was the only auctioneer you must have known because... You <laughs> <did>. <laughs> oh, because, mate, that was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, I, that was back. And, uh, mate, I think I had a mullet at that point as well in 2007, <laughs> looking back on some of the photos. But, no, yeah. I met you in 1997 when I was working in a leasing role yeah. for Welcome Homes Real Estate in Ramwick. Yeah, and I, and I say I, I must have been the only auctioneer, and you certainly not because of my skills. But you you called me and said, "Mate, uh, we've got our first round of auctions." And it was I remember driving down mm, south. Yeah, the yacht club. Was, yacht club. That's mm. it. That's it. And it was uh, it was it was interesting, mate. And now you're punching out um, about seven seven hundred and fifty sales a year with uh, with a property management business of about two hundred that two and a half thousand properties under management. So, mate, it's it's mm. been an epic. Um, and Herculean effort for you to achieve that within a relatively short period of time. So, mate, yeah, congr- congratulations. Hasn't been easy, but yeah, exciting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yeah, I can... no, you mate, you're, you're, you're spot on. You know, and thinking back on that, I mean, we we just had our 13th birthday in July, and you know, you're looking back on some of the photos, and there's a bit of a nostalgia, and you know, of course, looking back on my career, uh, you know, which is more than 20 years now, it's um. You know, we've been through the ups and the downs and certainly it doesn't get me crazier than 2020. Yeah. But, you know, I'm probably more pumped up about real estate and our business than, you know, the next five to 10 years than I've ever been, to be honest. That's exciting. Yeah. Why, why do you say that in particular, do you think, mate? I think, you know, like I always, and I'm not saying it's just to pump up your tyres, but mm. we, uh, you know, I always looked up to you and, I remember, you know, James Dack and a few of the other big big hitters back then, you know, and I was in a very junior role and you guys were really hitting your straps and I think um I think the thing that you get you, you come to realise and you come to learn as well the longer you're in the in the industry and I'm probably you know, I'm fairly energetic and highly motivated and disciplined and all those sort of things, but at forty years of age I also feel like I'm experienced. And I feel like I'm always learning, mm. um, and you're always you're still always making mistakes. But you now, you know, when the market changes and you get thrown all these curveballs, like you know, first half last year, you know, Royal Commission, and then you know, everything that surrounded that in terms of the marketplace, and and then obviously this year was was terrifying. You know, around April in terms of all the unknowns and the restrictions and all these things that nobody's ever been through. There's no playbook for that, mm. but. You know, you tap in, you, you tap into your skills, and you tap into those things that you've learnt maybe 15 years ago, and you reflect on mistakes that you made back then, and you know, whether it's in the GSC or whatever it may be, mm. and um, you know, look, reflecting on probably the last six months, mm. you know, our business has excelled through that period. In fact, we've we've come to realise that we're growing, we're picking up market share, we've you know, we've we've just finalised the rent roll acquisition. All these fun things are happening, and um, I'm I'm just 
I'm amped about it because I feel like I'm kind of in the zone. I've got some really great people around me. I've got a lot of stability in terms of their management team, but also, you know, the core of it, mm. you know, you're making, you're making decisions based around 20 plus years of, of industry experience. Yeah, that's amazing, mate. Yeah, look, I, that, I think that's why you and I get on so well, mate, because we've, we, we've, you know, I, I enjoy the same passion for the industry and, you know, I've been in it a bit longer, so 31 years, and and I, I share the same view. I feel like I'm just just getting warmed up, you know. I mean, I've had different iterations and different chapters in in my career, similar to you, um, and um, you know, this this chapter certainly for the future looks exciting. You know, like doing a lot of consulting, a lot of listing and selling. It just seems to be such an exciting mix of of uh, of opportunities, and then getting to talk to people like you, and um, it's just it's just great, and I. I I, I can't be, you know, any more more proud or or um, or sort but of. You're doing exactly you, what you want to do, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. you're working. We talked about this just before we flipped it on, but like yeah. you, you're in exactly the place that you want to be, and um, and that's the beauty of our industry. You know, you can yeah, you can think big, and there's no ceiling in terms of you know what you want to earn. But then it doesn't really become about the money. It's more about your excitement just to keep growing and pushing the envelope and doing new things at an industry level. That's, that's what I see for you. And that's certainly, that's certainly the journey that I'm on at the moment. Yeah. Awesome. So obviously we've got a lot of um, agents listening and a lot of uh, principals listening and um, you know, your, your numbers to a lot of people might just seem overwhelming, you know, like 750 odd sales a year within three offices, a team of 110, you know, like there, and that's from, that's from scratch, you know, so people have got to sort of get their head around that. I mean, what, what would you, what sort of advice would you give, you know, just, just for an agent who's, who's, who's really running their own business anyway, because I think all agents are, are, are a business within a business. What, what, what tip do you give them sort of, you know, during these tumultuous times like just to keep focused and on, on the job at hand yeah so i've been like you i've kind of had the opportunity and the privilege of speaking at a few conferences and um you know i, I remember a bunch of years ago i spoke at Eric and i remember i was a fair bit younger then that was 20, 2014 and one of the things i talked about in that presentation was um you know being fearless you know and outsourcing your weaknesses and um yeah. My mindset around that probably hasn't changed a great deal. I yep. think um, at the time I probably looked at that state and being fearless probably differently to the way that I look at it now. But I guess um, the, the, the two things, I, I wasn't academic. You know, I, in fact, I you know, was a bit of a disappointment in terms of what my HSC looked like. I had fun, right? <laughs> and I was always, um, I was always fairly practical and um, I thought I was at the time, I was street smart. But I, I got pushed into real estate by virtue of, um, a family background so you know I didn't work in the family businesses but you know that was that was our kind of bloodline and the second part to that is I didn't really qualify for anything else so I got into real estate and um, very early in the piece I figured out that was for me but the one thing that I, I learned very early is that um, it's, it's really it, this can be uh, this can be a positive or it can be a hindrance you know, so you're you, you're either highly self-motivated and disciplined, right? Which, if you are, this is the perfect industry to be in because there's no, there's unlimited potential in terms of what you can achieve, right? Yeah. And at an industry level, there's still so much more scope to grow in the industry year to year, as you and I both seen. It's just changing so rapidly and it continues to change for the better, right? Um, but at the same time, if 
if you're not self-motivated, you know, you want to take advantage of the fact that, you know, you don't, you know, if you don't want accountability, it's one of those industries where you can kind of goof off. Well, then it's, you'll, you'll actually never achieve your full potential. So mm. uh, my, my, getting back to your question, my, my advice to probably, you know, I've got 35 sales teams in, in our business that, you know, like you, mentor, very hands-on, and my responsibility with them is obviously get the full potential out of them and get them to the next level. Um, one of the things that we obviously focus on is is just solid productive weeks, mm. you know, and making sure that they're they're doing things and they've got behaviours which will obviously propel them to the next level. Because if they don't, they don't have a process. Mm. They're just going to sit there and spin the wheels. And you and I have seen plenty of those agents over the years. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is is be fearless, have accountability, and obviously have a have a process. You know, um, in terms of in terms of principles, there's a lot of principles listening, and um, you know, obviously yourself and Dane Atherton, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, I think are anomalies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah I, I think are anomalies because mate, there's very few businesses doing sort of. He's doing 1,100 sales. You're doing over 700 mm-hmm. sales. Like that just seems. Um, you know, monstrous for for a lot of principles. So, as as you and I both know, you know the the only two ways to increase um, you know your income as far as GCI is concerned for for your business is either is 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 to improve productivity from your incumbent existing agents number one or number two recruit new agents. Right now, you oh. you've you've obviously done both. Where would you suggest principals focus on um, in terms of their energy and time with those two? Obviously, doing both is ideal, but where have you had the most success? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. I probably haven't thought too much about that, but it's, a pro- it's probably an easy answer because, um, look, we, we've, we've got a growth mindset, so we're not reactive around our recruitment. What I mean by that is it's not like we lose an agent. Everyone loses agents, right? There's always a bit of turnover in a, in a large-scale real estate group. Mm. Um, you just try and minimise the, 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 the churn, so to speak. But mm. I think like at a recruitment level, we don't wait for someone to leave to then replace them. Like we're just constantly looking for good talent or the best talent, right? Mm. And the best talent doesn't isn't defined by a million-dollar writer. In fact, I'd probably take an up-and-coming, hungry, energetic, respectful, humble, $200,000 rider over an ego-driven million-dollar rider. Right? Mm. In fact, we've actually turned those type of agents down, right? Mm. Um, because they're disruptive and they're disruptive and they're toxic for your culture, right? Mm. And, you know, you guys talk about this attraction business. Tom Panos talks about attraction business. It's... It's it's highly relevant in terms of the internal culture, right? So we've basically got three levels in our group. We've got called a level one agent, and that's that's an up and coming junior agent. That's sort of you know 100 to 300,000 GCI per year, and then we've got a level two that might be sort of 300 to six, and then a level three agent, everything above six. The um, the success for me has probably been mainly level one agents. You know, and I've got level one agents. We've had level one agents that have become and are partners in this business currently. I've got agents that came to us with a year or two sales experience. I've got one agent in particular I'm very proud of. And he's, he's in his late 20s. He's been with us for probably six or seven years. He came to us, I'll never forget it, from a um, 
you know, low-profile local real estate office who weren't really treating him that well and, and weren't really focused on his success. It was probably more about what they were getting. And he was writing about 120000 with them. And, you know, he's writing like 1.2, 1.3 with us. He's got a leadership role in our team and he's a partner in the Sutherland business. You know, that's, that's the definition of success in my sales team. Mm. You know, and, and, and then the, the kicker with this is the guy's just a champion bloke to be around and everyone in the business loves him. Yeah. Um, that, so, you know, it, well, you know, mate, hopefully that kind of gives you a bit of insight in terms of what we're looking for because I'm not actually looking for the big hitters in our area. In fact, I think this goes with any market. I think there's not an abundance of talent in any marketplace that's available in terms of recruitment. So, mm. You very much need to be prepared at a growth level to start to take risks on people. Mm. Um, there's nothing in any CV that's going to convince me that someone's actually got the, the, the secret sauce in terms of actually making it work. Mm. In fact, you know, we've got a, I'm very fortunate to, you know, I've got a, um, what I consider, you know, an A grade full-time recruiter that works in our business and she also heads up our HR division. And again, she's worked with us many, many years and, She's responsible for a lot of this talent and um, she's constantly out there looking for, for the up-and-coming agent, you know, the, the, the next superstar. And they're, they're the ones that, that, that we want to develop and, and later they're the, they're the ones that are actually taking these leadership roles across the group. That's really refreshing to hear, Dave, because basically that example you've provided of someone entering into your business as a 100K rider, seven years later is a million plus rider, has equity in the business and has a leadership role. Basically, you've just um, provided a template for really what every agent is looking for in this industry. Um, they all want to be part of something bigger. And I think that's a mistake. A lot of businesses um, erroneously, um, you know, don't undertake, which is just providing a, a job or an, um, an employment um, environment, but no real career path, no growth path, um, nothing to strive towards, um, apart from when you become good enough, then you get poached by, say a franchisor who convinces you to open a business and you're actually poorly qualified to run that business um, just because you've been a good agent doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be a good business owner but to actually plug into your existing leadership team um, and to have such good people around you that, that's almost like the perfect environment or template that you've just explained no well, look you know thank you for saying that i, I think so and you know the I just think the landscape of running these these real estate offices has changed dramatically. It's probably changed more in the last five years than it changed five years before that, right? Mm-hmm. Where, and what I mean by that is, apart from costs, right, which are a big thing. So, for example, you know, I remember five years ago, our internet packages were less than a thousand dollars per property. They're like four thousand dollars now. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, everything's gone up. Everything's more expensive. The photocopy is more expensive. Everything, the rent's more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel that, and this is not for every, and this is not a, a broad statement across the whole industry, but certainly in markets like mine and ours, um, I definitely think that um, scalable businesses um, uh, are more profitable, but not only more profitable, I think that they they give everybody a better chance to actually do what they do best, right? And Typically, as we know, sales agents are not high on detail. You know, there are the exceptions. It's not everybody, but a lot of the case, you know, and 
the challenge with, you know, I've been there, you know, when we opened our doors, July 2007, I was a fair bit younger. But back then, I remember, you know, you had to do, learn how to do read a P&L sheet very quickly. Right? Mm-hmm. You had to understand how to, you know, operate a trust account. You know, you have to be the receptionist at the same time you're the listener and selling. It goes on, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think the one thing that I'm most proud of, you know, 2020 is that we can give someone an opportunity where they can just focus on what they're, what, what they're, they're, they're best at, you know, and they can still be part of something that's growing, something that's dynamic, something that's obviously got history and heritage, um, and something that they can have a future with. So you know, I think the game's changed. I know that if, if I had my time again, I wouldn't want to be starting from scratch now. I'd certainly rather be part of something like this. Yeah, I agree. And and you've nailed it there that, you know, an agent's highest and best use all day long is to be listing and selling real estate. The any time that they're not focused on that, they're basically cannibalizing their their own highest and best use, as I said, and effectively they're um they're not on purpose, you know, and, and being on purpose, as you know, is critical in this industry, whether it's you as the leader or whether it's your CFO or whether it's your HR person, whether it's your, you know, your listing and selling agents, everyone needs to remain in their lane. And that's how you end up with, you know, a, a functional business. I know every business is not perfect, mate. I, even you, I know you want to no. evolve it and grow it. And you, you know, you probably look back and think, wow, I've achieved a lot in the last 12 months. And I think I can improve a lot in the next 12 to 24 months. And, and I think the humility factor coming through, you know, in this discussion sort of say, says it all that you, you know, you, you're really just, just, just getting warmed up. And, and I think that's exciting for, for a lot of people. Um, so in terms of, um, you know, increasing productivity from your existing agents, has it been yeah. by, you know, throwing marketing funds at, at them or has it been by um, plugging in uh, support people or associate agents under them? Like ha- apart from just organic growth from a good performing agent, what, 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 are, what are some, 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 sort of controllable or obvious strategies you can undertake to actually increase their productivity? Mm. Mm. Oh, look, I don't actually think so. Just to, to your first comment, marketing, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's like just you know, giving them a bit of bigger canoe to paddle in. It's, it sort of just doesn't, I don't think that that's probably the secret. I, I think that the, the definition of growth in our business or and or our sales teams is scaling. You know, you need to interact with more clients month in, month out. So, you know, I know that you're one of the best prospectors probably in the industry, right, Um, in terms of, you know, your process and, you know, watched your interviews and listened to you at conferences and, you know, we have had thousands of conversations over the years and I think that there's a lot to be said in just... um, you know, you, you know, structuring. If we're just talking directly to sales team, structuring a sales team that you've obviously yours, you've got multiple. You know, in your EBU, mm. you've got multiple administrators that are out there just simply creating more opportunity for you. And mm. and that goes the same with with our, our broader group sales team. It's, you know, we simply do more sales with 35 sales teams as we did with 25 mm. and more than 15. It's it's there's actually there's no accident behind this. If you can get your sales team and your people um, kind of paddling in the same direction together, you know, as one team, you know, with a very tight 
um, you know, system around them and lots of processes and you know lots of checklists and and then, and then obviously total alignment in terms of what the goals look like. Mm. You know, the, um, not, nothing, not, nothing's out of reach. But you know, if you know, we've got agency in our business that are very conscious, and, and you know, that's fine. I don't actually push anything on anybody. You know, but I've got agents that won't reach their full potential because they're not prepared to go and invest in you know hiring their, their first or second or third sales assistant. Mm. You know. I haven't. I haven't had the. I've got the in our area. I've got the best of the best that work as, as part of our group, you know. Yeah. And I haven't seen anybody in my business so far, you know, who's been able to write more than you know four hundred and fifty, five hundred thousand dollars without an assistant. And if they are writing that, they're killing themselves, and it's not sustainable Correct. anyway. Correct. The same way to you know, write more than a million dollars, and then you need multiple people with you. Correct. You know, and then you get to a point you go, why is a million dollars kind of the thing that everyone's working towards. Why isn't it four or five million dollars? Mm, well, mm. the way to get to that is you just need more people around you. And then you actually need to drive it properly. You need to run a proper business. Yeah, correct. You know, we've got, we've got good tenure with our people, you know, senior people particularly, that, that actually, you know, you create all the momentum with, 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 the, with the seniors in our group. You know, and they pull everyone along with them. Right? But at a leadership level, you know we're enforcing the right behaviors because um it benefits everybody but here's the, here's the other thing and speaking about those ebus the most successful sales units i've seen in my group are the ones that hang on to their staff and they treat them well right they mm. treat them with humility and they and their staff become their family you know yeah. i still run my own ebu i've got three in my group two of them have been with me for more than 10 years mm. you know it doesn't matter what what we're going through to put everyone goes through shit in their lives We're having, you know, you go have good years, you have bad years, right? But net result is, you know, good people around you, the loyal, and you look after them, Mm. right? You're unbreakable to a certain degree, you know. And and then you you, then you look at what you can achieve in terms of, um, you know, customer satisfaction, you know. And you talk about 750 sales, and one of my fears last few years, as we were growing quickly, was was keeping up with that growth and controlling that growth and very easy just to start, just to turn it on and to start scaling. But if your quality is shit, mm. right, it means for nothing in terms of your reputation in your marketplace. And like you, like you're in Coogee, we're in Cronulla. As we both know, they're very similar marketplaces in terms of them being insulated. Everybody mm. knows everybody. The price points are almost identical, right? Yeah. Um, you actually need to make sure that you're creating a legacy that your clients will always come back to you, you know? And, um, a big part of that is how you run your teams. And, you know, you need to create a, in my view, a sort of customer-centric business unit that is, you know, unbeatable in terms of you creating separation between you and your competitors. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because a lot of people hear me say it ad nauseum that, look, it's impossible to sell four or five properties a month consistently. Sure, you can do one or two, one month and three or four, but it's impossible to do it consistently without support um, unless you compromise one of three things. One is 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 burnout, which, which you mentioned. Second one is leakage in your business, which is inevitable unless you've got the hands, hands on deck. Third one is the customer service experience which you mentioned as well so it's useless talking about growth or gci volume of sales unless you seriously consider customer service leakage and burnout otherwise it ends up being a zero-sum game and whatever benefit you achieve is going to be cancelled out by all the disadvantages from that growth so i'm really glad you brought that up with with the 35 sales teams you've got um as we wrap up um dave is how many of those are standalone agents and how many are ebus 
Um, there's, there's probably there's probably a, a 50-50 mix. Okay. You know, and I'm just thinking, so out of that, you know, we've got, we've pretty, pretty much got three setups. And, and here's, here's, here's another important point, you know, in terms of growing a sales team. Um, I remember back in the Eastern Suburbs days, you, you know, not one specific office, but I remember one of the offices I worked in, you'd have 10, eight, 10 sales agents on 10 different deals in terms of the commission suite. Yeah, right. yeah. And as we both know, right, you've yeah. seen offices like that. Yeah. It creates a lot of disharmony, yeah. uh, a really poor culture, you know, lack of trust with the leadership level and management, all those things, right? Yeah. Um, in our business, we've we've just got complete transparency in terms of what the deal is. It's debit credit, it's commission only, and, yeah. and then there's a contractor model, and they all change depending on GCI. Right? Yeah. And everyone's on the same deal. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess... Um, I guess there's a bunch of things for, for me that have been important over the years and, and, and that, and that in, in, in how you manage yourself things is certainly one of the most important things. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and just to get granular, um, would each sales agent or EBU have access to admin support such as processing listings and exchanges or each agent has to be responsible for that themselves? Um, you're talking at the, at the back end level. Yeah, yeah. Because mo- most most agents, you know, we we su- we support them to put on associate dollar productive people, but but are they also doing their own admin, such as processing listings and exchanges, or or as a as a business, do you guys provide that as a, as a service? Yeah. Well, it's part of it. So we we run all of our marketing in house, and we've got a full suite of graphic designers, photography. Um, you know, marketing associates a whole bit. You know, their their responsibilities once they list is to prepare their compliance file, which um, mm-hmm. you know we've got a I've got kind of a sheriff internally who you know yeah. have to sort of go through before the file's compliant because that's obviously a big part of what we do these days. Mm. Um, and and obviously not creating exposure at an industry level, you know, around mm. departments for trading and whatnot. And just making sure that we've got you know we're sort of good practices across the group, but. But once they've kind of gone through that stage, um, they're, they're probably, their responsibilities are booking photography internally, yes. facilitating that, probably preparing some basic copy, yep. and then it, then it goes to marketing. Then I think one of our probably strengths and point of differences at a recruitment level is you know, we, we try and, we try and uh, remove all the blockages. Um, my focus is speed to market. Yeah. You know, compressing those days in the market, just getting, and, and, and obviously that leads back to more volume, mm-hmm. but also just, um, removing the speed humps, you know, we, we all know what agents are good at and what they're not good at. Correct. My, my focus is creating a platform that they're just focused on generating more business, you know, yeah. and I'll do as much as I can for them at a back end level. Yeah. I've got to say for, for me, who's who talk and coach and train a lot of agents, principals all over Australia, that what you've just mentioned there, having that support, that's a great retention and recruitment piece. So good, good for you for doing that. Mate, the last thing. Make we, it easy. Yeah, you have to, and you've got to keep agents focused on what, what they're good at. Mate, the last thing I'll just touch on, I mean, I've had the honour of, of coming to your office and, and just getting a sense and a pulse on the culture there. And I've got to say, it's it's one of the best I've experienced. Um, you know, Thank so, you. No, pleasure. So g- good for you because I have a theory, and I, I believe you agree, even though I've never asked you, but I have a theory that agents treat culture as 
the same degree of importance as they treat remuneration. Um, and mm. alongside that becomes recognition and acknowledgement. So I think they, they actually treat all these things equally in terms of retention and recruitment. So, so it's not a coincidence that the tenure in your business is long, right? So what, mm. what, what tips can you give, whether agents, principals or whatever, you must be, must be, must be organically doing something that's working culturally and you must be proactively doing something culturally that's working. So can you, can you share a bit mm. of that? Mm. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big conversation in itself. Mm. I guess the the thing is, so years ago we used to talk about culture a lot at the group level, mm. you know, like we, we, you know, and I unashamedly used to bang on about culture, you know, and my definition of culture at the time was everyone's got to have fun, and there was always just two priorities for me: everyone, everyone, everyone's got to have fun, right? Everyone's got to have an opportunity to make money and do well, right? And excel. Right, it can't yeah. be just about the principles. In fact, I put their needs for before mine, you know, yeah. and um, and I I think that's that's shone through in terms of what our culture. But he, here's the thing: so mm. you fast forward a few years, and we don't talk about culture at all, but culture's better. Got it. All right. Mm. Now, one of the reasons why I think we've been able to achieve that is because getting back to what you said, amazing tenure with is a good proportion of our senior crew who I don't consider stuff. These guys are my family. They're my, in some cases, they're my closest friends. Mm. These are people that have, in some cases, have grown up with, right? And, um, you know, I've always looked after me, they look after me, mm. you know, but they're the ambassadors for the culture, you know? And you think about where poor culture can creep in, usually it's like around the water cooler or the photocopier, you know, someone's unhappy, so they just dump on, mm. you know, their colleagues. You know, it's one of those sort of things. And it's, it's having a group of people in our business which are completely aligned in terms of what good culture in our group looks like, right? They will keep the rest of the group accountable, you know. And for the most part, the good culture weeds out the wrong culture, you know. And um, I think one of the lessons I've, I've learned over the years is, you know, we don't jump into these decisions quickly. But, you know, if there's someone, and this doesn't happen a lot, but you know, you're hiring a lot of people, you've got a lot of people in the group, Sometimes, occasionally, you just get it wrong in terms of the fit. Yeah. Uh, I think very early, you probably need to identify that it's not the right fit. Yeah. You know, and you probably need to make a decision on whether, you know, they're in the right space and vice versa. Because ultimately, knock-on for that at a group level could be substantial. You know, and um, I think um, the big things that I'm most proud of in terms of our internal culture is that you know, it's, I've got, we've got three offices, like we said. It's, it's not enough in them. It's not, oh, they're Cronulla, we're Sutherland, we're Tarrant Point. We've got nothing to do with that. We're one team. We we focus on the family aspect. So, you know, I've got three young kids myself. You know, but at a group level, we've got 60 kids in the business, mm. right? And we, we do our very, very best to include the partners and the families as much as we can. Like every Christmas, we've got Santa in the office. We've got 60 kids. They're all getting a present. And they're all having fun and everyone's having a drink and all that sort of stuff at the end of the year. And then halfway through the year, we're running awards mm. nights and it's a black tie, not obviously this year, um, which mm. we're all disappointed about, but every other year running a black tie event and it's a partners event. We want them to come and celebrate the success of, of, of their partners and their husbands and, mm. and their wives in some cases. And the Christmas parties have always included the partners as well because we want them to, to, to feel like they're part of this thing. Because at the end of the day, you, know, you spend more time with the people that you work with than you do with your people at home. Mm. You know, and it's very important that we, we create this um, sense of community within our group. But, um, you know, I think um, the, 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 the bigger you get, 
the more important it is because you can dilute your culture as well. As you're scaling and growing, you can forget the the, the one percenters and the things that actually got to got you to that point, the things that mattered. So we're always talking about refreshing it, keeping it interesting, keeping the business engaging. Outside of the weirdness of this year, still trying to, you know, um, keep everyone together and 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 obviously, um, you know create some events that they can obviously um, enjoy each other's company and that type of thing. Yeah, that's great, mate. I, 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 I really enjoyed this um, and I know the, the, the listeners have as well. Mate, you've donated, you know, some, a good chunk of your day here and, and, and like all your predecessors on this podcast, I, it's very intentional who I select and it's people who love giving back to the industry and I know the industry's given so much to you and that's why you've, you love that law of reciprocity like I do, which is that altruistic, you know, just abundance attitude and, and mate, I know you share that with me. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you, buddy. Me. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks nah, for thinking mate. about me. Um, Pleasure, mate. I'm glad. Anytime, mate. Congratulations on your year as well. Nah, thank you, mate. I'm uh, blessed to call you a mate and a colleague, and uh, I'm sure everyone's got huge takeaways. Um, feel free to look Dave up on uh, all the socials. He's across all the platforms. And, uh, mate, it's been a great conversation, Dave. I really appreciate it, buddy. You're a legend, mate. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, okay, Adrian. Okay, mate. See you, Dave. Bye-bye. Right Bye-bye. Talk to you.